0: For us, Would you bow your heads and prayer for me this. Oh Lord, we do pause to acknowledge that you are good and you are great, that you are wonderful. And Father, even though your people are not here presently in the midst of this church, we do recognize and understand that we are the church. And Father, because of that, I ask that you would pour out your spirit, that we would worship you in spirit and truth, that though we're scattered, we will experience the unity of your spirit as we break forth the bread of life. And Father, I ask that you would give me the words to convey just how glorious you are. Please give me the grace that I need to exalt Jesus Christ, that you would be fully honored. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, dear God, I pray that your word would go forth and accomplish much, that you would transform hearts and you would transform lives, that even on today we would look more like Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity. In the precious name of Jesus, the Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will, for us, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the seventh chapter, as we are back into our study of this gospel. And as you do, I want you to imagine with me a scenario in that you win a pair of tickets to uh, the most exciting event that you can think of. Maybe it's a concert by your favorite artist. Maybe it's a Broadway play. Uh, but whatever it is, you're super excited to go. You're making all of your preparations. And as you get ready to go, uh, included with the tickets is a, a, a free limo that's going to pick you up at your door and drop you off at the destination. So as you're ready to go, the limo picks you up and uh, you get in and you're feeling pampered and you're excited to go. But as you're traveling to your destination, you notice that the driver seems to be doing exactly opposite of what the GPS is telling them to go. And as you begin to question the driver, didn't the GPS say, go right, then why did we go left? And the driver says, don't, don't even worry about it. Uh, I know where I'm going, I, I'll take care of this. And then the, the driver makes a, a left turn. When you should have been going right and you say to the driver, but, but, but weren't we supposed to go right but you went left and the driver say, no, 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 don't, don't worry, you just sit back and relax. I'll make sure you get to your destination. Well, after four hours of meandering through the city, you eventually find yourself arriving at a dark and dingy abandoned warehouse. Certainly, this is the wrong destination. You know, beloved, that is an imaginary scenario. But I submit to you, this this fictional scenario is actually the way that many in the world choose to live their lives today. Uh, Heaven is their desired destination, yet they ignore Jesus' directions at every single turn. When Jesus says to turn right, they turn left. And when Jesus says to stop, they go. Or, Or when Jesus says go... They stop wandering aimlessly. Many will eventually arrive at an unwanted destination. Is that you today? Is that you? Because every single one of us, every single day, have to make choices, and 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 fundamentally, the main choice that we have to make every day is. Will I choose to listen to Jesus or not? You know, it's one thing to say you're going to heaven, but it's another thing to live like you're going to heaven. And we're going to examine this more closely as we look into the text this morning. So Matthew, the seventh chapter here, we'll begin with verse 13. And we're just reading two verses on today. So again, in honor of the reading of God's word, if you would be so kind to, uh, to stand with me in your homes, but Matthew, the 7th chapter, verses 13 and 14, and the word of God reads as such. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. May the Lord a blessing to the reading of his Word. Uh, see here, uh, this the Sermon of the Mount, which uh, extends through chapters 5, 6, and here in, in 7, uh, it actually concludes with the words of Jesus in verse 12 where he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. See, a- after that, Jesus, he's completing his sermon. and And what he does now is actually begin to wrap things up, but... But he, he, he wraps it up in the sense that there's application that needs to take place. And throughout the last verses of this chapter, you can hear this eschatological urgency out of Jesus. Because leaping off the pages in these last verses of chapter 7 is this theme of how you respond to Jesus determines your destiny. How will you respond to Jesus' words? How you... How will you respond to his words in the Sermon on the Mount we've been walking through? How, how will you respond to the word of God? Because these are Jesus' words. How you respond to God and his word, how you respond to Jesus determines your destiny. And the big idea I want us to zero in on today is simply when it comes to your life, direction determines destination. Your direction in life determines your destination. See, and those in the crowd, uh, according to Jesus, they would need to make a choice here between two roads. Specifically in verses 13 and 14, Jesus, he uses this analogy of a, a journey to convey the distinction between those who heed his word and those who disobey his words. And on this journey, there are two different gates, two different roads. Two different crowds and two different destinations. A choice needs to be made. One journey leads to life with Jesus in heaven for eternity. But the other journey leads to destruction in hell apart from any goodness of God. We need to be sure that we are making the right choice when it comes to our response to Jesus's words that journey that leads to life in the text is the way of salvation and in this way of salvation notice that the 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 gate is narrow Jesus says enter by the narrow gate and in verse 14 for the gate is narrow Uh, I actually like to uh how the King James version lays that out, it says uh, enter by the straight gate uh, that, that, that 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 sense of just that straight gate it it gives you the uh, it makes you mindful of how a how a boat will go through a narrow strait in order to get to its destination as that boat or as that barge goes through this narrow strait uh, the captain needs to be aware of of his surroundings. He needs to be aware of his speed. He needs to be intentional of how he moves through this strait because it is narrow. And that is the sense that we're getting from what Jesus is saying that there's a narrowness to this entrance to this gate that that you need to be intentional, you need to be thoughtful. You need to to have have your uh, your, your mind and your your eyes uh, ready and focused to to where you're going. And simply this this gate that Jesus is speaking of, this narrow gate, is a metaphor for salvation. He's saying, really, that it's only a narrow way that you can come into a relationship with him. How do we know this? We, uh, we give further information on this text by looking at the parallel text in Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 22 through 24. Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 22 through 24, they read, uh, He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, here it is, Lord, will those who are saved be few? He's talking about salvation. Notice how Jesus responds. And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able." See, Jesus is using this metaphor of a narrow gate to signify when someone comes into an uh, intentional, salvific relationship with him. When someone confesses their sins and surrenders their life to Jesus, this is the narrow gate. And the reason why this gate is narrow is because it, it, it requires obedient surrender to Jesus and Jesus alone. We're not surrendering our, our lives to our family. We're not surrendering our lives to our friends. We are surrendering our lives in obedience to Jesus Christ alone. That's why it's a narrow gate because only through him can we enter in to salvation. And, 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 and notice, because it's a narrow gate, we can't come through this gate any way we want to. Think about it. To come through this gate, Jesus says that our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. What Jesus has been talking about, the scribes and their Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, that they had an external and outward sense of piety of righteousness they they wanted to look good in front of everybody else but when it really came to who they were they were so sinful on the inside and Jesus has been contrasting this external false righteousness with the true internal righteousness that only comes through a relationship with him this is why this is a narrow gate because Jesus is defining the standards and beloved, to come through this gate, you have to fulfill the law. And how do we fulfill the law? Jesus said himself if we love God and love neighbor, that is the fulfillment of the law and prophets. We have to have a heart that has been so transformed that we we don't just outwardly love God, and we don't just outwardly love our neighbor. We don't just outwardly uh, act like we're we're holy or act like we love church, and we don't outwardly act like we love the people in the church. But no, but inwardly, we have a deep love for God, and we have a deep love for his people. It, It does not mean we're perfect in this expression of love, but yet it's there. This is why this is a narrow gate. This gate is it's not like a funnel. When you think about pouring oil in your car and you use a funnel, uh, the funnel is it's wide at the top, but it begins to go smaller in order to, to get in. And, and, and we can think about this gate like that sometimes, but it's not like that. If anything, this narrow gate is more like a turnstile where there is only entrance for one person at a time. It's so narrow. Uh, one uh, author puts it like this, this, this word narrow, it gives the uh, metaphorical connotations of, of being cramped, confined, distressed, or troubled. It's this tight door that only you and you alone can get through. Beloved, that means that you can't get through this door because your mama went through this door. You can't get through this door because your daddy went through this door. You can't go through this door because you know of somebody in the church who's been through this door before. Only you can get through this door by yourself. And because it's a tight squeeze, there's no room for you to bring along your worldly baggage. That means that we can't just come into the kingdom of God uh, acting how we've acted before, thinking how we've thought before, being who we have been all our lives. Something needs to change. As you are going through life... Each one of us, because of our sinfulness, we pick up this sinful baggage and we put it on our backs and we put it on our shoulders and we we hang it around our legs. But Jesus is saying, if you are going to come into my kingdom by this narrow gate, you got to let some of that baggage go, beloved. So before you come to Jesus through this narrow gate, we got to let some things go. There may be a relationship that you need to let go. There may, may be some type of pet sin in your own life, you need to let go. Maybe it's uh, the way you talk to people, you need to let that go. The way you uh, love people, you don't love them well, you need to let that go. uh, We we need to let go of our sinfulness in order to enter through this gate. But notice that this gate is not only narrow, but the way is hard. And Jesus is is laying out for us, he's he's saying that we need to count the cost and understand that the Christian life is not the easy life. I don't know about you, but when you are truly trying to serve the Lord, that seems the time uh, most likely for hell to break loose in your life. It's when we're trying to be obedient to God's word and do things according to his desire It's when things seem to go wrong. See, this, this gospel that Jesus is preaching is not this prosperity gospel that you just add Jesus to your life and everything is going to be okay. You, you just add Jesus to your life and everything is going to be great now. That is not true. When you fully surrender to Jesus Christ Things will get hard because Satan will continue to come for you. And because our flesh has so loved sin for so long, the, the residual effect of that sin in our life still wants what it, want, what it wants. That's why we must have the Holy Spirit continue to be at work in our own life. Uh, this, this is the hard way because the way of salvation requires discipline and it requires perseverance. We have to be focused. We have to be intentional. But also notice about this this role that the crowd is small. He says that only few find it. And the reality is, the Christian life, if lived according to Christ, is actually pretty unpopular. Many people don't, don't want to be a Christian because they think it's a boring life. They think if they become a Christian that one-on-one like them anymore or uh, it's just not any fun. But according to the world's standards, those reasons come up. But according to God's standards, the Christian way of life doesn't need a whole lot of people around you because you are living for an audience of one, Jesus Christ our King. So when we think about the few coming in, you can can think about it kind of like a a narrow hiking trail, how you're hiking up a mountain, but the the, the trail is wide enough for you to go uh, by yourself. But it's this single file line that's heading up the mountain, that's climbing. You may have a lot of people with you, but yet it's still one by one by one. The way of Christ is unpopular but even though it's unpopular look at the reward because the reward of this narrow gate the reward of this hard way the reward of this the small crowd is the fact that this way leads to life we get to experience true eternal life with Jesus Christ because the Christian journey is completely set apart. But, not, but what's beautiful about the text is the fact that not only do we get to enjoy eternal life, we get to enjoy a life of blessing because of the presence of Jesus with us right now when we're on this journey. On this road, Jesus superintends his sheep. He is like the good shepherd leading his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death, but if they're walking with the shepherd. If they're following behind the shepherd and pay attention, paying attention to the shepherd's voice, they will make it through because he is with them. Listen, the journey that leads to life only begins when you lay down yours. This journey doesn't happen until you willing you willingly submit yourself. This is the Galatians 2:20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It's this willing surrender. Lord, you take over my life. That's what this journey that leads to life, this way of salvation. But in the text, we notice that there's a second row. There's there's another way. And the journey that leads to destruction is the way of self. The way of self. And notice, in the way of self or the way of sin... The gate is wide. It's wide open. There, there, there are no limitations. There's no hindrances. There's, there's no standards at this gate. Uh, the way of self. Uh, this is the I'm just going to do me gate. This is the get in where you fit in gate. This is, you know, I just want to kind of just do my own thing for a while. That, that's this gate. Because this gate is wide. There are no limitations. See, and and at this gate, because it's so wide, and because anybody can can just walk in there, at this gate, you don't have to leave anything behind. At this gate, you can bring your bag full of self-righteousness. At this gate, you can bring your uh, bag full of pride. At this gate, bitterness, yeah, you can bring it. At this gate, selfishness, yeah, you, you can bring it. Uh, uh, at, at, at anger, you can bring it. Nastiness and bitterness, you, you can bring it. Because at, at this gate, anything goes on the way of self. Because this gate is wide. But not only is the gate wide, meaning anyone can just walk in there doing whatever they want. This, this way is actually easy, too. And, and the, the way is easy. Because of our default settings. See, this, this this role, you don't have to intentionally deal with your sin. And because we're born sinners with a sin nature, it is so easy for us to sin. That's our default. You have to be taught how to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. We come into this world knowing the wrong things. If anyone has a baby, we know that it is eat more. It is so easy for that child to do the wrong thing. It's just who they are. But they have to be taught to do the right thing. That's why this road is easy because everyone is just doing what they want to do. On this way, there's no effort required to practice uh, superficiality. Uh, one author says on uh, th- on this road, there's no effort required uh, to practice self-love, there's no effort required to practice hypocrisy, there's no effort required to practice mechanical religion, false ambi- ambition, or contentiousness, it's just who we are, that's our nature, that's why it's so easy, and, and this easy road, see this, this is the comfortable road, this is the, I really don't want really, I, I really don't want to work hard, uh, I just kind of want to roll out of bed and go about my day. I don't want to plan. I just want to exist. That's this role. But we have to be mindful that though this easy way encourages aimlessness, you're just kind of wandering around. Uh, Aimlessness is a direction. It's a direction on The easy role. What else about this role? We see that the crowd is large in this role. For he says, and uh, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. And that's just just honestly saying that uh, the way of sin is more popular. Think about all of the commercials that you're watching on TV. Think about the television shows. It seems like everyone is just sinning, and it's the cool thing to do. It doesn't bother anyone. As a matter of fact, the more sin you find yourself in, uh, in some circles, you're even more popular. Just think about your social media. Uh, uh, People are off the hook. And the, the, the crazier it is, the, the more ridiculous their life, the more sinful it seems like, the more likes they have, the more viewers they have, the more followers they have. Because sin is popular here in this world. But you know what? This wide gate, this easy way, and this large crowd have the destination of destruction. Because ultimately, a life lived only for yourself is a life filled with sin which separates you from the holy, from, from the holy and righteous God who sits in heaven. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 16.25 speaks to this, this way that, that, that we want to go in our own life where it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Whenever you're living for your own pleasure and for your own purposes, whenever you're just living to satisfy yourself and you're not thinking about anyone else, you have ultimately replaced the God of the universe with yourself and you have become God. And now you expect everyone to satisfy you and you expect uh, you to be satisfied in yourself all day. You know, this, this way of self, this is the way of the uncommitted. This is the way that that many find themselves in. They they they're not pro God or anti God. They're they're not for church or really against church. It's just kind of hey, everybody, you could just do your thing. But that is a a committed way. That is committed to yourself uh, because just like a a court appointed. Attorney, if you don't make your own decision, one will be made for you. And when you don't make a decision, your default will always lead you away from God. Beloved, I ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? There's nothing or no one better than Jesus. Nothing or no one better than Jesus will come your way. Why are you still uncommitted? To the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this way of self is synonymous with the way of sin. This is what Jesus is laying out for us today. So the question from that this text raises again uh, this, this, this seventh chapter is about how do you respond to jesus 's words and and the way that we need to respond this morning is to ask ourselves, I ask you, what road are you on? are you on the way of salvation or are you on the way of self this morning I I just want to ask you a few diagnostic questions to help you to to consider and to really think about what role you may be on this morning because ultimately what role you on will determine your eternal destination you may be on the the way of salvation If you are a repenter, if you are a repenter, someone who is able to say, Lord, I'm sorry for how I've sinned against you, and Lord, I'm sorry for how I've sinned against family, friends, and loved ones. See, a repenter is someone who is humble enough to admit that they are wrong, and they're willing to make it right, both vertically and horizontally. You may be on the way of salvation if you believe that Jesus really did come. He really did die for your sins. He was really buried and that God raised them from the grave. If you genuinely believe that in your heart and you're trusting in that, then you may be on the way of salvation. And then thirdly, you may be on the way of salvation if your internal love for Jesus has impacted your everyday life. Just how you act every day has something Jesus said impacted your life in such a way that a change and transformation has come. You used to talk like this, but Jesus. You used to go to this this type of place, but Jesus. You used to uh, look like this, and uh, but Jesus changed you. If that has happened in your life, then you may be on the way of salvation. But, but there's the other way. You may be on the way of self if there has never been a time when you've told God, sorry. You don't think you have to apologize for anything? Can't nobody tell you anything? See, the way of self tells everybody I'm grown. That's the way of self. You may be on the way of self if there hasn't been a moment when you've experienced an encounter with Jesus and it changed your life. One scripture i really like to share with people when it comes to trusting Jesus is John, the third chapter, in the 36th verse. I, I think it's really succinct in summing up what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In John three thirty-six, the word of God says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see, Jesus equates belief with action. Jesus equates belief with a way of life. So it's one thing to say I'm a Christian, to say I'm saved, but it's another thing to obey Jesus like you're saved. So you may be on the way of self if there uh, has never been a time when you told God sorry if there hasn't been a moment when you've uh, experienced an encounter with Jesus but then thirdly you may be on the way of self if you don't find yourself pursuing a relationship with Jesus regularly. Just regularly talking to God through his word and through prayer. If you never find yourself Seeking God through prayer or through His word, that you may be on the way of self, because self says I could do it, I could do it on my own. I don't need anyone to help me. I don't need God. I don't need a God to help me. But the way of salvation says, I need Jesus because I am weak. So notice on the, the way of salvation, I didn't say anything about going to church, being baptized. Or how much you read or pray. And notice uh, on the way of self, I didn't say anything about just doing wrong stuff. But I talked specifically about being in a relationship. See, beloved, each one of us started our life's journey on that road that leads to destruction. The way of self. But you see here, Jesus, he gives us an invitation to enter. He's saying, come. Come, you don't have to go down the road to destruction. Come to me. And when, and when he says to us, enter, he is saying, come to me because I am the door. John 10 and 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. When Jesus says enter, he is saying, I am the road. John 14 and 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus says, enter, he is saying, I am the few. Romans 5 and 19, where it says, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. When Jesus says, enter, he's saying, come to me because I am the destination. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Jesus simply says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Are you lost? Do you not know what road you're on? Do you not know where the destination of this journey called life is ending for you? Then I encourage you today to receive Jesus' free offer of salvation by repenting of your sins. By simply saying, Lord, please forgive me for living for myself and trust in him daily by turning and saying, Lord, I want to live for you now. Please save me. Beloved, it text is simple look to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and you will live with Jesus because your direction determines your destination. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that as your word has went forth, it will accomplish much that where conviction of sin is needed, you will convict where brokenness you would build up, for transformation you would bring that. But Father, use your word mightily to do a work in and through our lives and our hearts. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. for us.